Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So we're in the middle of this Limitless series, and I've got like 19 things that I want to try to communicate but I'm going to boil it down to one thing, and that is get busy working on your assignment from God. Get busy working on your assignment from God. Now, that can sound like legalism. That can sound like, you know, there's a lot that comes with that, and that's why we've been talking. We talk so much about affirming who you are in your identity so that when it is time for you to step out beyond where you currently are in life and in your relationship with God and how you're seeking to serve God and serve community and your family and all of that, you know, a lot of times we, life happens to us and so we just stay stuck. But we know that there's more, not more of God to get, but more of us to give to the world of what's in us, right? And I asked this question Wednesday, so you're gonna, you kind of have to let me jump around for a little bit. Um, you know, I asked this question Wednesday how many of you know 100% for certain what your assignment from God is? Yeah. In fact, let, let's just go ahead and uh, you know, put our money where our mouth is. If you could say you know 100% what your assignment from God is, raise your hand. Yeah. Not, not, not very many. A few. A few. I, Sarah and I, have the blessing to say that we know what that is. Now, let me qualify that a little bit. Assignment, I think, is different from calling. Your calling and all that can kind of mix. And this is, you know, the word calling in Scripture is used in a lot of different ways. It's used a lot of times to say, what's your calling? What's your purpose? What's your reason for being here? Why did God put you on this planet? And all of that kind of gets mixed in together. And so you kind of left with this general idea that God made you for the reason of doing a job for Him, Right? And we talk about this a lot, but I just kind of want to set the stage of where we're going. You know, and if you really search it out in Scripture, and I've got this series called, um, I think it's called Move Forward. Is that what that says, Ryan, on that red cover back there? Yeah, I've got some series back there. It's free online, by the way, but if you like CDs, we do have some CDs back there you can purchase. But I go through this whole thing where I talk about your purpose is defined by your maker. God made you. He has a reason for making you, and that reason is to be His child. And when you acknowledge God as your Father and you receive what He's done for you through Christ, the reason for your existence is completed. Amen? You're a child of God, period. That's it. But now that you're a child of God, now that you're in the family, God might have an assignment for you. God says, all right, this is my family, and I want you to go into this earth and announce the victory of Christ. I want you to go into this earth and tell people about what I've done through Jesus. Pretty simple, right? And so that I define as your assignment. And we have to serve in our assignment from our finished identity, right? And so then you look at what we talked about in 2 Peter over the last few weeks, and 2 Peter says, you know, add virtue and add all these things to your faith. But if you don't have all of those things, if you're not displaying all of these things that you want to add 
that you should add to your faith, it's because you have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your former sins. So the idea is this, when you seek to move forward, when you seek to grow, when you seek to actually take steps in serving God, and you seek to actually display the character of God that's within you, and you seek to live worthy of the calling, you seek to live well within that free gift of righteousness, and you seek to honor Him through your holy lifestyle, and you seek to actually display the character of God that has been given to you freely, but you don't see those character attributes in your life, it's not because you've got to get better at being godly. It's because you've forgotten that you've been cleansed of your former sins. Now, he, Paul says it this way. Peter says that. Paul says it. And it's counterintuitive to how we think, right? And I know that some of us just still is kind of trying to put it together. You see the Scripture. Paul says it this way. He says, Beloved, my little children, don't sin. But if you do, remember, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, does that sound like he's advocating sin? Does that sound like he's saying, eh, we're going to go soft on sin? No. He's saying is the way to overcome that area in your heart and in your life where you are off with God's leading and direction in your life is to remember you have an advocate with the Father that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and all that comes with that. In other words, the establishment of the new covenant, who you are in Him, the fact that you have been cleansed with His lifeblood, the fact that you have a new heart that has His character and law encoded within it, the fact that He's put His Spirit within you, the fact that that Spirit is speaking to you and leading you and guiding you and telling you what the Father is saying and showing you things to come, the fact that He has good plans for you, the fact that it is finished and you are secure in Him. All of the identity stuff that comes with the establishment of the new covenant is what you have to remember when you find yourself in sin or you seek to move forward from where you are in life and all of these little issues bubble up. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about you identifying what is your assignment from God and actually stepping into that. But here's what I know. As you seek to move past where you actually just kind of normally live in your life, there's little things that are going to come up. You don't think you deserve to serve. You don't think you deserve to make more money to be able to be a blessing. You don't think you deserve to get to live out the desires of your heart. Or your dad always told you this, or you're kind of this or that, and all those little voices that rise up, it doesn't even have to be the devil. You're better at beating yourself up than the enemy is anyway. Because... You just do it. You believe yourself even more. So that's kind of what we're talking about. We're just talking about this idea of, all right, I want to serve. I want to step. And this is not a, you know, we don't have a sign-up sheet to get you signed up to serve in with the holding the babies. If you want to do that, we could use some help. Jump on board. You know, so this series is more about taking all the stuff that we normally teach on, who you are in Him, what He's done, the establishment of the new covenant, and then from that place, get to work. Right? You are created unto good works. The grace camp, the new covenant camp, I don't know what you want to call it. There's all different types of movements associated with a strong focus on the new covenant. Sometimes it's resistant to works at all. So you're delivered from dead works, but you're created unto good works. And those good works are to be done out of a sense of identity, 
out of a sense of your purpose associated with you going into the world. The purpose is because I'm God's child, I'm going to go tell people about my dad. Because if you only knew, you'd want this father too. And that's, real, that's really what it is. So all of this other complicated stuff that we make it so difficult and we have to unlearn religion and we have to unlearn all of the junk that's been put on us by society and the hurts in our family and all that garbage. If we really could just strip all that stuff away and acknowledge that we're loved by God and all we want to do is help other people really experience that love because we know that when people experience it, they're changed. And I, I am convinced that... The power of salvation is the gospel, right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's it. That's all that we have. Now, so the gospel is the message, but love is our strategy. So we go into the world leading with love with the message, and we let the Holy Spirit do the rest, right? So what is your assignment? Your assignment... And I've kind of formulated this thing down to where I say it's good to start to try to define what you're... You ever taken those... You know, I've gone over this so many times, but you take those surveys and it's like, well, I'm good at this and I'm good at this and I like this and I like this and I'm good at that and good at that. And it tells you... Like you start the survey in ignorance, hoping it'll tell you what God wants you to do. A survey. Really. Like, why don't you just have a conversation with Him? Now... That's challenging as well. So I kind of look at it from the perspective, what does God want from me? What, what does He really want from me? Well, He wants me to respond to His love for me. In other words, love God. Commandment number one, love God, right? How do we love Him? Because He first loved us. So the fact that you actually keep the great commandment of Christ is you actually just respond to God's love for you. Secondly, love people, right? Personally, I think answering the question of loving people is how you determine what your assignment is. I think there's a natural kind of process that rises up out of you as you determine who you love and then become engaged in this process. So the, the who informs the what. Most of us would say, God, what do you want me to do? I say, ask him or ask yourself, who do you love? That will tell you what to do. And God will show you how to do it. And this is what we talked about on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, we live streamed it into our church Facebook group. If you're watching online, make sure you uh, jump into that group. We will do another one this week, or this Wednesday, a little bit different topic. I'll give you what that is. But, you know, so ask yourself, who do you love? And get specific with it. Don't just say, well, I love everybody. I want the whole world, you know, like you're a, like you're a beauty pageant contestant and I pray for world peace, you know. <laughs> well, everybody wants that. Get specific. Who? You know? That, so that night it was uh, musicians or teenagers or children from age three to eight that have been through abuse or unwed mothers or whatever. And now you'll have multiple people in your list. I was talking to Robin out there, and she's like, well, I love myself. Or Carrie's, Carrie, on top of Carrie's list, I love myself. But that's good. That's confirmation, right? Yep. It, you do. you got to start with loving yourself. If you don't love you, how in the world do you think God can love you? 
I don't mean you're self-serving and you seek, to, you know what I'm saying. I mean, let's be adult about it. Yourself, your family, you know, the people around you, your friends. But then that external group, maybe. You know, th those musicians that hate church, maybe that's who you love. Maybe it's kids in a community that don't have fathers. Maybe that's who you love. You know, so you spend some time thinking about it. And when you really wrestle with it, you might not even realize that you have compassion for this particular people group. Today is going to be way more practical than just than Bible teaching. You get Bible teaching all the time, but I want us to do something with it. Amen? Like, praise God for this place. We get to flip the air on. Most of us got enough money to go eat lunch afterward today. Everything's pretty good. You know, we got 12 Bibles in our home and 937 in our pocket, you know. It's like the world needs to see the body of Christ in action. Amen. And we act in love. And, that, and that's really where I'm going today. But I want to inspire you to actually create a plan. Create an action plan. And you start with asking yourself, well, who do I love? Well, I love athletes. I love, I love uh, people in Washington, D.C. You know, I don't know. I, that might not be your answer. It's like... <laughs> Yeah. I love people that are oppressed by the system, maybe, you know, whatever. But, but seriously, take some time to think about that. You know, please don't just come to church and then do nothing with your faith. You know, because when you're not serving, when you're not actively seeking to express that God-birthed love into this earth toward a people group... You're just spinning your wheels. You're going to be confused. You're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to, and sometimes, well, well, if I get this, if I get my debt paid off, then I can do this. If I get this, just start. Amen? Amen? Just start. When I talk about that, I'm not mad. I just get a little fired up about it because I know how powerful it is to start serving. I know how powerful it is. Some of you are called to make a bunch of money and support ministries. Get busy. We got property we want to buy, you know. Uh, so now let me let me dial this back a little bit, and I'm going to take a rabbit trail. You ever heard of a guy named Jordan Peterson? Who's heard of Jordan Peterson? Jordan, he, he's he's interesting. He's a Canadian uh, psycho clinical psychologist that teaches in a university up there. He got famous because. He bucked the academic system that was making people, like, like creating legislation to make people uh, call transgendered people by their preferred pronouns, like Zer and I don't even know. There's like weird things that people want to... Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But so he was like, if I engage someone and they ask me to call them this, of course I would call them that out of respect for that person. He said, but don't pass legislation to make me use these words. It's contrary to, you know, common sense. So he's kind of famous for that, and then, he's, then people started digging into how he thinks, and it's like, sometimes you listen to the guy and you're like, what in the world? But then sometimes you listen and it's like, man, this guy might be the most brilliant person on the planet. You know, you say things, and it's like, so I'm watching this, and I was watching some last night. I was trying to find this one particular conversation, and he, he goes into these conversations. Now, don't, don't listen to him for the theology because he's squirrely on theology, but on personal development, powerful, all right? Uh, helping you understand how to think, powerful. So uh, he's doing this debate with Sam Harris, and he, and he talks about it in another. Sam Harris is one of these guys that's kind of, 
He's, Sam Harris would be really described as an anti-theist. You know, there are, there are atheists that say there is no God. There are agnostics that say, I don't know. And then there are anti-theists like uh, Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris, kind of the new atheists. I, I enjoy listening to those because of so much contradiction. And when they're really pressed, really what their issue is, they don't like God. Like, you would think that their arguments would be scientific, but when you really press them, they're pretty emotional arguments that they end up defending their personal beliefs with. So Jordan goes through this whole thing, and he's like, all right, I'm going to show you how you really do believe in Christian values and that you really do. Be the fact that you believe in those values and that you expect those values and the fact that you live this way reveals to me that you actually do believe in this God because you think this is the best way to live because you are affirming that these principles that come out of Judeo-Christianity are the best way to live. Now, there's, you know, Harris is kind of like, well, I could say that about blah, 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 blah. You know, he's got his points too. But when I watch it, I'm like, okay, it's interesting. So here, here's what he does. He says, all right, the fact, he's like, the fact that you see injustice and you want something to be done about it, the fact that you see an atrocity happen in the world and you expect justice to happen and you expect the people that that injustice is acted upon to be able to have the opportunity to move from hell to heaven, in other words, difficult to a better state of existence, just the general idea that you have that people have the right to expect to improve their lives and their station in life shows you got that from a Judeo-Christian perspective because if we're just molecules assembling themselves and it's survival of the fittest, what monkey do you see protesting about another monkey stealing another monkey's banana? You know what I mean? It's like they don't say, I can't believe he stole that banana. But we do. And why do we do that? Because it is ingrained within us to expect God's values. It's really powerful, you know, and there's not a whole lot of response to that other than, I just don't see it that way. But then he goes through this whole thing and he talks about how society in general, you know, he makes jokes about it, but the fact that we collectively, given freedom and given the opportunity, will seek to improve each other, will seek to help each other. You know, we will seek to uh, fight and all the stuff that we do to help each other move forward. His, his psychological evaluation of that is because that reflects that we actually believe in God. Whether we say we do or not, deep down you act as if you do. And so, you know, that's where he gets squirrely. People ask him the question, do you believe in God? He's like, well, I act as if I do. What do you mean do I believe? And then he goes into this thing, don't, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you're doing. And that's kind of where I'm going, is don't tell me what you think or what you believe or what you're going to do, do it. I remember this about writing, you know, I knew that there was just things in me to write. And I was talking to my pastor and, and you know, talking about writing and I was, I, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write this, I'm going to write that. And he's like, you're either writing or you're not. You're not going to do anything. And I'll tell you that. Whatever it is that's on your heart, that passion, you're either doing it or you're, you're not going to do anything. You're either doing it or you're not. Now, you, there is a process. So once you identify who you love, 
Once you identify that people group that you want to reveal the love of God to, there's a process. You get educated. You know, where are they? What do I need to be able to do to reach those people? What resources do I need? What support do I need? Who do I need to be? In other words, if you have a particular people group and you go into that people group and it triggers your temptations, you got to make sure that you've developed those character traits within you so that when you are in those circles, you don't get pulled back down again. You know, if you really enjoy getting high and you want to go minister to people at the Grateful Dead concert, you better watch out. I'm just speaking for my life. I don't care about getting high anymore, but I'm just saying, yeah. But that's part of it too. But when you seek to develop those character traits, when you seek to move past those sin issues that so easily cause you to stumble, when you seek to allow God to build something within you that's bigger than what you feel like you currently can do, stuff's going to come up. That, those, all those little heart issues are going to rise up and tell you, you can't, you can't. Do, do, do. You might even then actively affect your world where you create some chaos. I mean, some of you, when you try to move past where you are, it seems like it all goes to hell in a handbasket, and you're like, what in the world's going on? And the first thing we do is we blame the devil. Well, forget the devil. I mean, he might be there, but the, the way that you defeat the devil is you just believe the truth. As soon as you believe the truth, there's nothing that will cause you to entertain his suggestions. Are you with me? Now... That's an oversimplification, and there are some dynamics in that, and I get that. We're going to actually talk about those kinds of things in a few weeks. But, but in general, His only power is your willingness to believe a lie. Amen? All right, so when you're seeking to do this, let me click through these things here. When you're seeking to do this, you have to always affirm your identity in Christ when you try to grow because of the issues that arise related to your internal limitations. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about removing all of these limits. When you're seeking wisdom from God, when you're seeking direction from God, when you're seeking to experience the blessing of God in your life, you don't have to do something to become something to then be qualified for Him to release it to you. Are you with me? All of His blessings are yes and amen. Everything that He has for you has really already been given to you in Christ. In everything that you will ever need from God is in His Spirit. His Spirit is in you. Everything that you will ever receive from God is already in you, in seed form. And that's what we went through last week, week before. Remember the seeds, the bean sprouts, and the roots growing down, and we guarding your heart so that you're not choking out the Word of God. You're not choking out the fact that His Spirit is in you growing through you. So ultimately, we're talking about experiencing transformation, and transformation works through mind renewal. Now, it's a heck of a thing when you start to really try to do something for God, or you just try to respond to God's love by loving others, and you're getting specific about it, but yet the whole world seems to conspire against you, and even you don't feel like you can do it. It's challenging. It's easier just to kind of sit and protect your little environment and just make your little money and not really try to grow. But man, I'm telling you what, God has inspired within us something greater than where you are in life right now. Not to try to 
you know, so that you can have some lavish personal lifestyle or any of that type of stuff, but to bring glory and honor to His name. Amen? So there's this idea of two kinds of belief. There's a belief that's rooted in fact, and there's a belief that drives behavior. And this is kind of back to that Jordan Peterson thing. Uh, but there's a statement that comes out of it. I believe it, but do I believe it to the degree that it changes me? And this is what I want to work on this week. What you say you believe, specifically what you say you believe God has called you to or the assignment that God has given you or just forget about calling an assignment, just you got something on your heart and you want to do this thing. It can even be a dream. It can even be a, a, a job or a business idea or whatever it is that somehow fashioned to bring glory and honor to His name, whatever it might be, when you seek to move in that direction, there's two different kinds of beliefs. You have stuff in your mind. A lot of us, you know, one of the problems is we know too much, but it hasn't sunk down into our heart. It hasn't sunk down into a persuasion or a confidence that we hold on to that we know that this is what God has called me to do. This is the assignment God has given me, and I will stay the course no matter what, and I will not let myself be derailed. No matter what happens, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter what the bank account says, no matter what I remember about my childhood along the way, none of that stuff, we're going to stay the course. And it's love that will help you stay the course. But here's a big question. Do you trust yourself? Do you believe what you say? You know, I want to kind of dig deep for just a minute. A lot of times we don't trust ourselves because we either lie to ourselves willingly in deception. We don't follow through on what we say we're going to do. You ever beat yourself up because you don't follow through on what you say you want to do? And, and so therefore you don't expect other people to either. You know, some of the most untrusting people in the world have the most difficult issues in and of themselves. Love believes all things, you know. This is what I want to this is what I want to help us do. I want to help us have confidence that we will follow through. Now, not in and of yourself, but because you have allowed a transformation within you to happen to the degree that it actually drives your behavior. You know, so much of Christianity is it's like you're a rotten dirty sinner just try your best and hope you don't sin too much and lose that salvation. It's like, are you serious? He gave you a new heart. He gave you His Spirit. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was a circumcision that was performed on you without hands that cut away the sin nature and gave you a righteous nature. You were dead in your sin. Now you are alive in Christ. You know, these are all the things that we go back and we affirm so that we don't get derailed by our own issues along the way. You don't need the devil messing with you. You got you. It's true. I mean, think about it. Think about the last time you were disappointed in yourself. I mean, what time is it, you know? And then we think God feels that way about us too. And then we think, well, if God's not doing this, anyway, the theology gets really squirrely in that. Like I said, we've been talking a lot and if you hadn't been here in a while, go back and watch the couple of messages because we have a strong foundation underneath that. But what I want to talk about is actually putting this together 
where you seek to move forward. Because what you want to do, see, it's not even that you make up something that you want to do, or it's like, I have this thing in me and I want to do this and, I'm, and God's going to get glory if I get to do what I want to do. Really, ultimately, what we're trying to do is experience transformation to the degree that you only desire those things that He would cause you to desire. Now, I've heard some people get really strange with it. And some people that think that God's in control, I you know, I don't know why they don't think this way as well. Maybe they do, I don't know. I was ministering, uh, we were, Sarah and I were ministering to this uh, girl and, and basically she had, in her past, she'd gotten off into drugs and, you know, even dancing in those places that they dance in. in the, I have kids here, so I'm trying to... You know what I mean? And had gotten herself to believe that the fact that she has a desire to do that means God wants her to do it because God gave her that desire. And so she's only living out what God would want her to do because that's what she desires. And if God's in control, and if He's predestined everything that's happening, then the fact that I want to do that means He wants me to do it. Maybe He wants me to do it so that when He doesn't want me to do it anymore, I will really appreciate the next thing He wants me to do. Isn't that strange? It's like we can get really strange within that. We, you have, look at Jesus. He is facing the cross. He's praying to God. And He is God, right? Let's do this another way. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And so He had to merge His will with God's will and proceed along God's plan. That's really what we're trying to do. And love, to me, is the best way to tune your heart to God's will. Loving people, actively pursuing to love people because that is the commandment. God is love. You see, there's, it's kind of a recipe that we're putting together to help you shape, yield yourself to the grace of God within to experience the shaping and the transformation so that you are walking out His will for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get paid for it necessarily, right? Your dream may never pay you. That doesn't mean that everything's just going to perfectly work out for you. But it will mean a great contentment and fulfillment will be your resting place. It will mean that you have such peace within you that there is no discord within you between your will and God's will because it has so merged in the presence of love and compassion just growing out of you. That, that no matter what happens, you don't get derailed. Are you with me? You are transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of your mind, right? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I like this particular phrasing. You know, there are so many good study tools out there. When you go into the original language, it actually is said more like this. And this is the Weymouth New Testament. Or Weymouth New Testament. Uh, and do not follow the customs of the present age, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind. See, He has renewed your spirit. And that inner man... Is continually being renewed day by day. We looked at that last week. The outer man is perishing, but the inner man is continually renewed. 
It will never stop being renewed. It is eternal and has received the gift of eternal life, or at least the down payment for it, the Spirit of God living within you, right? But be transformed by the entire renewal of your minds so that you may learn by experience what God's will is, that will which is good, beautiful, and perfect. Some people break those three adjectives down to say that those are actually three kinds of will. Well, there's His good will. There's His beautiful will. There's His perfect will. If you're in the good will, you get 30% blessing. If you're in the beautiful, it's pretty nice, 50%. Perfect, 100%. 100% blessing, you're in the perfect will of God. You have hit the bullseye. You have figured out why you're breathing air. I'm, I'm, you laugh, but isn't that what's taught? It, it is. If you're in the perfect will of God, nothing shall by any means harm you. Well, really? Well, I'm in the perfect will of God because I am in Christ and I about ripped my foot off doing a backflip off my diving board <laughs> a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? And I ignored him. I looked back and I'm like, oh yeah, he did say, don't be doing that. Way to go. But I love how it says this, is that the will of God is made known to you by experience. And what a beautiful and perfect will it is, right? It's this description of what it is, not that you have to find this perfect will. Your job is not to hit the bullseye on God's what-do-you-want-me-to-do target. Your job is to respond to His love and then out of that love, love others. And what I'm suggesting is that you get specific about it. So if you weren't there Wednesday, if you didn't watch, do this. Get out when you get home today, your app notes or whatever, if you journal person, write down a list of this is who I love. I love and, and list them all. And then look at them and ask yourself, do these people know that I love them? Do all of these people groups, the ones that you know and then unto the ones that you don't know, do they know that I love them? Are they feeling the effects of the love that I say that I have for them? Is there any action behind my words? You know, James talks about this. He's like, don't say you have faith if you're not loving your brother. You know, if there's not action with your faith, that's, that's dead. What are you talking about? He's talking about the outward and the physical when you actually go in there and then he goes in and he says that teachers will be judged more strictly. I'm not talking about God judging. It's not like the teacher line in heaven you go and God's like, you guys get a more strict judgment. That's not what he's talking about from people. James approaches evidence of faith in works from the outside physical evidence of your faith. Paul mostly talks about the internal aspect of evidence of faith as the finished work of Christ. James acknowledges that, but he speaks outwardly and says, because of this, it should show this. You should actually be taking steps in what you say is God's desire in you for people. And here's a way that I'm suggesting to do it. Write down these people groups. Who do you love? Get specific as you possibly can and then have an action plan for each one. The action plan includes the education process. What do I need to know? Where are they? How do I get to them? What does it take to be able to get to them? What does it take to be able to effectively reach them? You know, start with meeting physical needs of people. Meet as much as you can. Meet the, um, the physical needs where it opens the door to... Uh, but, but think about that, and, and I'll push pause, and I want you to think about it, like, like seriously for just a moment. 
if you know. So forget about what does God want me to do and think about it this way. Is there a particular group of people that my heart just breaks for? You know, maybe my heart breaks for homeless men. Maybe my, my you know, when I think about the world, removing the religious context of what is it God's wanting me to do, and, and you look at the world and you're like, ah, man, you, you just think about these people. You see the news and you see this particular people group. It just really upsets me that they're in this condition. Maybe it's people in prison, you know? Maybe it's bikers that have the tough exterior. You know, whatever it might be, get specific about it. I, I love, one of the things that I love, things, they are things. You laugh when I say it, but people, religious people. People that, uh, who have their entire life sat in church but not really ever internalized and experienced the gospel. People that are full of knowledge and information but no real transformation and they're going, why God, why? I love those people because I love getting in there and challenging and helping bridge the gap between information and transformation. Like knowing what you're supposed to do and actually experiencing the transformative power to move into that so that you actually experience the fruit of God. Fruit is not something that you work to display. It's a natural growth because it mimics what it's encoded to do. And, and this is the whole transform, transformative process is that you put on the new man, you come into agreement in your mind and in your heart with who God says that you are so that what God says He wants out of you will be birthed into this earth. And you do it mostly by loving people. Now, there is this other thing. Let me read this. Now, this is a principle here, Romans 10, 10. For with the heart a person believes. Now, the word believe is persuaded or conviction or even confidence. It's like it's settled. If I really believe something, it's settled. The opposite of belief would be doubt. I'm not sure about it. And belief and doubt can exist in the same heart at the same time, and they wrestle with each other. And it's your job to get that doubt out of town by affirming who you are in Him and what He's done. Are you with me? And now we think that we would just love to sit back and just let God love us and all this stuff's going to work out. But how's that working for you so far? I'm telling you, we've got to get busy unto good works and streamline our lives with a little bit of personal discipline, open to the Holy Spirit to let Him, to co-labor with Him internally to deal with this stuff that rises up that keeps us limited from moving forward. And when you do, if you freak out, remember, you have an advocate with the Father. It's not because you don't have those things. It's because you're not affirmed and rooted in what Christ has done within you. The more free you are, the more righteous you'll live. It's a paradox, but it's true. I was talking to someone this morning and they said, I have tithed for the first time today. Have you ever heard me teach on tithing? I teach on giving, generosity. Under the new covenant, there is no tithe. There is no law that says you have to do this. You are free to give or not give. And so when you do decide to start giving a fixed percentage of your income and you seemingly experience more blessing and the externalist would say, see there, you started giving, therefore God started blessing you. Eh, not really. He's already given you all blessing in Christ. What happened is... In your heart, you took that carnal thing, put it out there toward the work of God, and in your heart, you have opened 
your trust toward Him in your finances. It makes no sense to give away part of your money and then more abundance be given back to you. It's not a give and get type thing. It's a, I'm using this money to teach my heart how to trust God. And as I give away part of my money, what I'm telling every cell within my body is, I don't trust in this money. I'm giving it to this cause and I'm trusting God. That's what you're doing. Money is a tool to teach your heart how to trust God, really more than anything. And it supports the work of the ministry. Obviously, all the good stuff. There is no promised blessing because you give more money. Amen? But, so this conversation was, this person finally feels free of that obligation because of the kind of church that they grew up in. Now they want to give. Now they start giving. It's like, praise God. You're free. You don't have to. Now you want to. That is what God's after. And now when the want to arises, put in the action. Move forward. Take a step. Create a plan day by day. You know, the AA, the AA group calls it the next right thing. You know, well, what am I supposed to do now? Well, I don't know. But whatever the next right thing is, do that. And sometimes that's where we are. Sometimes we don't see where we're going, that that's all we can do. Was I know that this is the direction that I'm going to these people group. I'm moving toward them. So whatever it is that I can do now, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take that step. And if that's an internal step, I'm going to seek counseling. I'm going to take a class. I'm going to get rid of the limitation by affirming who I am in Christ. I'm going to confess the word. I'm going to do something within me to get my heart free from this limitation. Or you just come to church, appreciate the message. You get a goosebump when Adam sings and you go about your life and nothing really changes. Don't you love me? Uh, and I didn't even finish this. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. So you believe unto righteousness. This is faith righteousness. There is a righteousness that is revealed not by works but by faith. This is it. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now, watch this. There's, I'm, I'm getting at a principle here. Talking about the mouth kind of being the actuation. Uh, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The word amen in its most basic sense is put another brick there, as if you're building a wall. Amen, boom. Amen, boom. We're establishing this reality. We're establishing this thing. Not a boundary per se, but... It's becoming the foundation, becoming more and more solid. Every time you amen something, every time you're amening a word, every time you're amening an identity passage, every time you're amening something, it's because it rings true to you and it is being sought to be established into your life. But here it says the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The promise is there. All of God's promises are yes and amen. No matter how many promises He's made, they're yes in Him. If you're in Him, they're yes for you. Every, if Jesus paid for it, it's yours. I think pretty much everybody believes that. Now, what that looks like is debated, and that's fine. But the amen, in other words, the establishment of it is spoken by you. That's your part to play. So, again, the principle is you believe in your heart, 
when you speak it out of your mouth, confession made unto salvation. Here, the amen, the establishment of that promise in your life is spoken by you. So I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about confession is made unto salvation. You know, you, you pepper in this idea. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat its fruit. Now, you look in the original, and what it actually says, so that it makes sense to us, is you will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves to empower, whether it be life or death. See, read it. Death and life are there in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When they translated words into English out of... Like if you read, if you, if you read uh, a, a Greek New Testament, it doesn't make sense in English grammatically because the words don't flow. Where they put their... How they, how they uh, uh, form a sentence doesn't match how English is. And so you look at the order of the words... And the order of the words is actually more this. Your tongue, what you say, what you speak, you will reap the fruit of it, good or bad. Ultimately, what you are speaking. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And ultimately, what you believe you are attracting into your life. And what you believe is what you're going to experience. I mean, Jesus, there's so many passages about that. Believing and experiencing the fruit of your belief. Again, that's a whole other topic. So, boiling all that down to this, and we're going to go through this in detail Wednesday, and we will live stream it in the Facebook group. But your homework would be this. Create a confession script to speak over your life and future. How many of you have a word of faith background? And you spend a lot of time confessing Scripture to either try to convince God to do it in your life or to make it true or to make it happen or, or, or how, how would the, the, somebody that's brave that used to do a lot of confession, why did you do it? Nobody's brave. Nobody wants to. Yeah. So you understood a little bit more. Yeah. I'm talking about like on the negative side. <laughs> in, in that, huh? Do it to get stuff. Yeah. Right. If you say it enough times, it'll happen. Like, like God will finally, like you'll fill up those bowls of heaven and God will say, shut up here. <laughs> like, like that's the negative side. And that, that's actually the criticism against word of faith type teaching, you know. And I have a lot of criticism toward that kind of stuff too. But that's kind of what's expected in those. If you say it long enough, it'll make it true. Now, that, that's true in manipulating people. But your heart, sometimes the more you say it, the less you believe it. So what we're talking about is a confession script to get your mind... See, remember, we're talking about we're experiencing transformation through mind renewal so that you would, by experience, experientially experience, that's three experiences, the will of God. That you would get your mind in agreement with God's Word, specific, and it always says, by putting on the new man, affirm your identity, know His Word, hold His Word in your heart in that particular area, focus on His faithfulness, honor Him, and that transformation comes to pass. What I'm suggesting is a way to hold the Word of God in your heart and in your mind by speaking it out to persuade your heart of God's truth about you and your life to get in agreement with what He says so that you're not limiting the Word of God anymore. Does that make sense? 
It's like, so you're going to use your tongue not to try to create the world around you, although there are some quantum and energetic effects, effects that you know, are in play there, but more so to turn your own heart back toward God, to talk to yourself. I mean, we use words, right? This foolishness of preaching, you can preach to yourself. So this confession list will be a list of scriptures related to who you are and related to your situation that you write down and you speak these out. A lot of people do this in the areas of healing, but I also want you to do this in the area of your passion, your assignment from God, okay? So that's the, uh, that's the homework assignment. And you might have to think about it a little bit. And you're going to have to dig and, and research. And there's a lot of great study tools out there online that you can pull from. But the homework is this, a confession script over your life and over your future. So you find scriptures that identify who you are, that affirm who you are in Christ, and other ones that relate specifically to the area that you have a passion for moving in love toward people. Are you with me? So there's two things, two groups of scriptures that you're going to put on this list. And I would suggest that you speak those out. Speak those out with conviction. Speak those out in such a way that you actually feel it and believe it. Not to try to make it true, not to try to magically persuade or manipulate God or not to try to work the law of attraction to get the world to respond to you. All that stuff takes care of itself as you believe. I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to give you just a little bit of an example. I just, and this will be it. I know I've gone like really long today. Um, I think worship was kind of long too, right? But that's good. This is, I just posted this on my blog and we'll post it on the church too. And these are all just identity scriptures uh, phrased in, in Jesus, I, this. So listen to these. In Jesus, I reign in life. And then there's Romans 5, 17. In Jesus, I walk in the newness of life. In Jesus, I am alive unto God. In Jesus, I bring forth fruits unto God. In Jesus, I have no condemnation. In Jesus, I have been made free from the law of sin and death. In Jesus, I live by the law of the spirit of life. In Jesus, I am a child of God. In Jesus, I am an heir of God. Now, those are all things that are already true. And this will do, thing, this will do a twofold thing, is it will recalibrate who you think you are. It will affirm your personal image, your self-image, to match what God's trying to do, which is conform you to the image of Christ, right? So you're going to use your tongue to get an agreement with what the Spirit is trying to do in you and speak these things out to the point that not you're, you're not just saying it, but it actually begins to feel true about you. You actually begin to solidify these things within your heart. And so what you're doing is, is you're bringing your mind and your heart into alignment to allow the Spirit of God to work within you to establish His will and, and transformation within you. Are you with me? See, because if God's trying to do something by His Spirit within you, but you're fighting Him in your mind, you can tune your mind to get in alignment with first and foremost who He says you are, what He's done for you. It's very, very powerful. Again, not to try to magically receive blessing, but to get yourself in alignment. 
Because when you are following, when you are in faith toward Him, you are yielded to His will, you are yielded to His Spirit, and you will respond to His influence and leading. In your sin issues, in your personal limitations, in the outer world to go into and watch these things happen beyond your own earning power or your own skill level, all of that stuff. It's just like, it's, it's amazing the transformative process, how you look around and you're like, how did this happen? I, don't, I just noticed I don't really do this anymore. I don't this, I don't, and now I'm seeing this, and now I'm seeing these people differently. Now, wow, I didn't see that option before. You know, this is what you're doing. You're framing and you're tuning your mind. You are through mind renewal, and really that's all this is. If you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, why not be intentional about what the mind renewal process looks like? And this is a great exercise. So you do these identity ones, but then also find some passages that relate to the area that you seek to fulfill your assignment. That's going to take you a little bit more work, you know, because baseball might not be in the Bible. Right? But something will be. And it will... So the, the fact that you put focus and attention on it you watch, enlightenment will come, revelation will come, it will start to, insight will start to come. A lot of times we're detached from where we are, we have a general idea of what we want to do, the things that we'd love to see God do in our lives, but we're not intentionally focusing on it. We're not working on that assignment. You're not going to have the full solution figured out until you start to work on it. It takes steps. You're not working to try to be more complete person, you're complete in Christ. You're not working to try to be favored by God. You are highly favored because you are in Him. You're not working to try to become more righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Him. Are you with me? Let's be intentional about the mind renewal process so that we will yield to His transformative power within us and we will prove out His will, which is all we want to do, is live out what He wants to do in and through us. Amen? to bring glory and honor to His name. That's what it's all about. We're going to be intentional about the mind renewal process so we stop limiting the transformative and guiding power of His Spirit within us. Are you with me? Because we're going to do homework check next week and we're going to see if you wrote your scripts down. And you got to pay more tithe if you don't. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that your spirit is alive and active and we want those to merge within us and we are part of the process. We are established and affirmed in you. We acknowledge the finished work of Christ, but our outer man is perishing and we want to align it with you so that we don't limit your spirit and your power working through us so that we can go into this world carrying the victorious message of the gospel of your kingdom and bring people into an encounter with you so that they know your love for them and they will be changed by that love as well. If there's anybody in this room and they're just not 100% sure that they are part of your kingdom, Lord, that they are your child, well, I thank you that you are revealing to them what it looks like. They say yes to Jesus. Uh, thank you that you're giving them insight into what that looks like. We trust you and we love you in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind 
so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.